Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Welcome back, dear listener, to another episode of For the Love of Sport, brought to you by Sports Engine, your home for you sports. We have a jam-packed episode today with some unbelievable, absolutely amazing guests. Uh, We had a chance to speak with two Olympians and a self-titled sport nerd who really is just a huge expert in her field. And I let's let's get right into it. What do you think, Marie? Yeah, I don't think we we keep our listener any longer with all of our rambling about you know, who knows what today, uh, let's get into it. Let's get after it. Let's get to the the heart of this episode and introduce our guests. First of our three amazing guests is Kara Winger. She is a nine-time U.S. champion, four-time Olympian in Beijing, London, Rio, and Tokyo, the American record holder in the women's javelin throw, and first ever world championships medalist in American women's javelin history and winning silver this summer in Eugene, Oregon. She's a native of Washington State. She lives with her husband, Russ, in his hometown of Colorado Springs since 2012. Their yellow lab, Maddie... I love that name, has been happily adopted residents since 2016. Kara champions true sport values in her many different roles adjacent to her sport within USA Track and Field, the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee, and Evolution of Sport Organizations. All right, next up, we got Chris Mazder. He is a four-time Olympian and silver medalist in the 2018 Winter Olympics, competing in the sport of luge. Chris was the first non-European man to get an Olympic medal in men's single luge. That is incredible. To go with his Olympic accomplishments, he has also accumulated, listen to this, 23 World Cup medals and is a seven-time national champion. Chris is a board member of the International Federation of Luge. Chris is from Saranac Lake, New York, but currently resides in Salt Lake City, Utah with his wife and son, Nico. While he's not flying down the ice at ungodly speeds, you can find him enjoying the outdoors and exploring everything the Southwest part of the U.S. has to offer. And oh, by the way, did I mention that he was in fact on Dancing with the Stars. So please go look up his recent dances. We will ask him about that. Last but certainly not least is Dr. Amanda Stanek, who is the founder of Move, Live, Learn, and is a youth development researcher and writer. She attended and played soccer for St. Francis Xavier University. She holds a master's of science with an emphasis in physical education and sports psychology from Virginia Commonwealth University and a PhD in kinesiology within the Curry School of Education at the University of Virginia. And to just include more of her achievements, uh, she has a publication of more than 20 articles, as well as co-authoring several book chapters related to physical education, sport, and health education. Amanda has led projects on behalf of the International Olympic Committee, the Association of the Summer Olympic International Federations, Jackie Joyner, Kersey Foundation, True Sport, United World Wrestling, NFL Play 60, let me take a breath. Boys and Girls Club of America and Physical and Health Education Canada. So with that, 
we will take a break because those are some lengthy introductions and we are going to bring on our guests and let them take center stage. What do you think? Let's do it. Let's, let's not waste any more time. Kara Winger, Chris Mazder, Dr. Amanda Stanek, thank you all so much for being a part of this podcast and hopping on and being the True Sport Trio. There we go. There's our title right there, the True Sport like Trio. Uh, thank you guys for being on. Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us. First one's for Keros. You're starting us off here strong. We've watched some of your highlights, one of the best seasons of your career. Uh, you know, you've got your husband, your support system, your dog, Maddie, which we hear is, you know, a big part of all that as well. Uh, some are calling it maybe the farewell tour, your final season. Can you start us back at the beginning and talk a little bit about kind of your youth sports journey, where you started? Was it always javelin yeah. throwing? Were you in a bunch of sports? Maybe mm -hmm. just take us back to the beginning and, and talk a little bit about your journey. Absolutely. I um, have played every sport possible except for luge. Uh, I don't know how to slide down. <laughs> have you been sledding before? <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay, yeah, you did it. <laughs> so growing up, I'm from Washington State. I'm from the Pacific Northwest, um, but we moved a lot. Like I was born in Seattle, but we moved around a lot to get to like the jobs that my dad was in charge of as an engineer, a civil engineer. So I was best friends with my older brother, but I also like didn't really know how to be the new kid without sports. Like that was always where I made friends. Um, and that was softball, t-ball, volleyball, soccer. Like I played kind of everything um, with each new place that we lived. That's how I bonded with people. Like it got easier for me yeah. as a shy kid to connect to people when I could like be trying my hardest on the field first and like grow together through something else rather than words that were scary at the time. So <laughs> I did not start throwing the javelin until my freshman year of high school in public school in Washington. Like it's one of 20 states at this point that has the javelin at the high school level. Wow. So I was really lucky to have that opportunity. Um, and it was just this new thing. Like I didn't want to play softball anymore. I had not the best team experiences as a girl growing up. There was some drama um, mm -hmm. and maybe not the leadership necessary to quell quell that drama. So oh, um, to have something that I could put all of my effort into and see the results directly um, was a dream for me. And I just so happened to be pretty good at it when I tried. Yeah, absolutely. We watched uh, some highlights, um, obviously, this morning because we we geeked out. We were so excited for this opportunity to interview all of you. And um, th that last throw to get you silver, I think we'll link to it in the episode for sure. That was an amazing <laughs> moment. Like, can you just talk like just a little bit about that? Like, were, was are there ever these out of body moments where you're like, okay, so like everything, everything that led up, like does a montage play in your head, like starting as a kid <laughs> all the way to now and then you throw, like, how does that, <laughs> how was well, that I mean, yeah, I really had the benefit of being in Eugene, Oregon. Like this was the first ever um, home soil world championships for track and field. And um, it's been my retirement plan for years just because of that. Like I'm two hours mm -hmm. from my hometown why not end like on my own terms in the stadium? So I have like made every Olympic team in Eugene. Um, I tore my ACL there for the first time. Oh, I've had like fantastic victories and crushing defeats. So really like mm -hmm. this physical place was like everything in my career um, on one runway. And that just made me so like comfortable. Like what else could happen for me here? <laughs> everything already has. So why don't I like take this under my control? And, you know, I, I try to be a fan of like all Olympic sports. I've been an Olympic and Paralympic training center athlete for 13 years. Yeah. Watching Chris Master be the first ever yeah. <laughs> 
Rouge medalist, like at the Olympics that I get to see, you know, on screens all around the training center every day that I'm training. I have so many examples of these people who have broken barriers. And I was just so happy to finally be in a position where I got to be one of those people. Like I'm the first ever women's traveling medalist from the U.S. at world championships. So I just, I watched trailblazers and then I do everything I can to be the same one. And it just happened to work out. That's yeah. That's fantastic. It didn't just happen. You put everything (laughs) into that moment. It just happens. I don't know. She woke up and decided, you know what? Today, today is the day. No, that's great. I'm, I am based in Bend, Oregon now. Um, I'm not from here or anything, but I'm actually going to Eugene this Friday. My brother's running a marathon there. So if you want me to break into the stadium and maybe do any, you know, ritual where you had just won, let me know. We can do something there. Take a well, picture, whatever you yeah, need. You FaceTime me. Well, okay. I'll, I'll tell you Perfect. all the nitty gritty details of that final throw. Perfect. Perfect. Listen, I know this is weird, but I kind of want to ask a follow-up question of Kara. Uh, Please. Going yeah. into, right. You said like this, this is what you've been planning for your entire, like the last couple of years of your career. Mm-hmm. Because you've done everything, right? Like injury, success. Before that last throw, what was that intensity like? But also, was it kind of more relaxed than you were expecting? Yes, exactly. You get me. Um, So I did a lot of cool things this year because I knew it would be my last one. I know that that's odd for athletes to decide, but like that actually happened a long time ago when I knew that Eugene was going to be the side of worlds. um, I was like, that's ideal for me to end. I've had all these injuries. Like, I don't want it to be this indefinite career that I could like potentially not have the ideal ending and wrap up and, you know, transition into the rest of my life that I wanted to have. So a hundred percent, the intensity was just that I finally had this like freedom to know this is my final opportunity to do this. Like leaving Tokyo last summer, leaving what I knew was going to be my last Olympic games, even though I didn't have those medals, I just had this piece that like that chapter is closed. Like I did my best and I'm moving forward. Um, but to have this moment where I knew I was in great shape, I had literally just had an experience at national championships in the same stadium. That was like sort of the exact same scenario. And to make the decision for my husband to coach me to just really enjoy every moment this last season. Um, plus have competitors pass me in that last moment. (laughs) Like there were, there were all these touches of like who I used to be as a competitor in early days, into all of the experience that I finally had in this one moment to take advantage of it in a place that I was super comfortable, um, Eugene, Oregon, in front of that home crowd. Yeah, all of those things falling into place so perfectly. Um, you Man. can't not take advantage of that moment. It's an amazing moment. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's awesome. There's a combination of everything into the perfect moment. That was, yeah. that's And people cool. are like, why are you smiling right before that? Like, <laughs> <laughs> because I knew, like, I just had the feeling. I got this. Weird. I got this. Yeah. They're asking you why you were smiling. And one of my kids was like, mommy, why are you crying? And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> watch this moment. Watch so this. beautiful. Telling the story of you being voted on to carry the flag by the fellow, by the fellow Olympians in the Olympics for the closing ceremonies and, and your character and then how it turns out, you know, they're adolescents and they're kind of like, you know, like they're observing things and to show them your story and the journey. I mean, it's a beautiful story for all of us to share with our kids, but also a beautiful moment to experience as a 
middle-aged mom. <laughs> Thank you. And that's the thing is like, I made 10 major championships teams and I meddled at the last one. So mm-hmm. to go through all these injuries, to have the input of incredible medical professionals, feel like I'm absolutely teammates with every Olympian and Paralympian that I have trained around for 13 years and like bring everybody on the journey. I wouldn't have made it this far without appreciating each step of the, of the way. Like I didn't know that I would get to that medal. So what is the most important part about being an athlete? Like it's the people that are around me, the people that are on my team, my coach, my husband, like the people. So that's why I'm so happy that everyone loved it. Since you're retiring, is coaching something that you can see in the future? I actually think that athletes don't always make the best coaches. So <laughs> thumbs up from Chris. Yeah. <laughs> so, and we've all, we've all had that, right. We've all had people who yeah. have moved on, um, who were our peers who are then like giving input that isn't, you know, mm. necessarily about the athlete. It's about the now coach and I don't want to be that person. So I know that my knowledge about javelin is valuable, but I would rather empower the coaches who have that gift to learn the technique and then impart that wisdom onto their athletes rather than like me assuming that just because I can do it, I can yeah. also teach it. Like I enjoy it, but I, I think that my impact can be larger if I just share the knowledge rather than think that I'm the only one that can um, teach it to people. Well, that kind of like awareness is really admirable too. That's really wonderful. So, and actually something, a very unique Mm -hmm. perspective. I have never, I've never heard before, but now that I look back at like former coaches, that makes total and perfect sense. How in the world does someone get into luge and does it happen at a young age? Yeah, you can do that right now. And it's called bobsled and skeleton. (laughs) So that's actually those sports you get into later on in your life in lifetime. So uh, you can progress from high school or even college into those sports, but yeah. lose you have to start at a really young age. It's so difficult to describe what we do, but I guess a good way to point out is the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee spends a lot of money trying to develop athletes. Yeah. And if they're spending money on athletes, they try to figure out, okay, it didn't work out. What's another sport that they can do? What, like, how do we do a pivot here? Um Bobsled and skeleton, you can make it up to the World Cup start height in two to three weeks. In luge, it takes three plus years because we are the fastest and most dangerous of all the sliding sports. I didn't know that going in. Honestly, I just (laughs) loved sledding as a kid. I grew up in (laughs) northern New York, and it was winter five, six months out of the year. So if you didn't fall in love with doing something in the winter, you weren't going to have a good time. So (laughs) I grew up sledding. And I was very fortunate on a couple different matters. So Cool Runnings was a pretty big movie back in the early 90s. Oh, yeah. Oh, and uh, Same generation. (laughs) Great inspiration. But luckily for me, I lived 45 minutes from one of the only two World Cup level bobsled skeleton luge tracks in the country. And they had a program for kids ages 8 to 13. So Mm -hmm. I actually wanted to go and try bobsled because that was the cool sport. The problem was the line was really long because everyone wanted to do it. You're only driving half the time. Otherwise, you're sitting in the back and the turnover is really slow. So you only get to do one or two nights as a driver. Uh, But after a couple of weeks, I learned about this other sport that was on a different track, kind of tucked away up the mountain a little bit with no line. So being the <laughs> hyperactive ADHD kid that I was, I would run from the bottom to where like we would start and I could get 10 runs a night. So 
it was like two runs or 10 runs. I hated waiting in line. So that's kind oh, of man. how I got into luge. It was just so much fun. It was the largest sledding hill. And you start very low. Like you're not going right. off the top. You're only going, you know, 20, 30, maybe 40 miles an hour max. But it was just this progression. I didn't even know it was an Olympic sport at first. It was just the most fun that I could have in winter. So that's kind of my progression. And I also got lucky where they destroyed the old luge track to make way for what the current track is. So the program stopped. So you couldn't do it recreationally anymore. You actually oh, had to try out for a team. And so then it was like, okay, I love this so much. I'm going to try out for this team. And luckily at 11 years old, I tried out at 12 years old. I was on the development team and I don't know what one of the coaches saw, but at 13 years old, they took me to Europe. So I've been traveling <laughs> and competing internationally for 20 years. Wow. On, the, on the luge junior and senior circuits. So there was a time in my life where they, people would be like, hey, where do you live? And I'm like, United Airlines. Like I'm just <laughs> all over the place. I'm a diamond medallion member at 14. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, I've had, I've had high airline status for a long time now. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be hard letting that go. That's been that's been nice to travel with. But yeah, I I got into the sport not knowing it was an Olympic sport. It was just this passion, this love, and I think that was the best thing for me. But yeah. also at a young age, going over to Europe at 13, 14, 15, this is I'm like this is the coolest thing. I'm meeting people from around the world, trying new cultures, new foods, new cities, and then I'm like, I need to get really good at luge so I can keep doing this. <laughs> you know, and it's like. Then my, and obviously a change where I'm like, no, actually, I think I want to be really good at luge just to be really good at luge. But it was this whole progression of just loving the sport, loving what it did to my life, the opportunities it allowed me to travel the world. And also, I just really like sledding. So <laughs> that's, uh, <laughs> that's my progression in the luge. It's amazing. Just like the, the common themes here, at least from from you and Kara, where people were foundational. Chris, the same for you, but also at that age of going to Europe, the people that you were surrounded with. So what other sports did you play as a kid? Oh, everything. Everything? As, as Kara said, like, the, 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 the hardest part for me was I would leave uh, school. So I would basically disappear middle of October and come back at spring break uh, from eighth grade on. So I would get all the way to like soccer playoffs and then I'm out, I'm over to Europe. And then in the spring, I would do uh, track or lacrosse. Um, I just, I just love picking up sports. And that was one of the nice things living at the Olympic training center for a long time is that there's all these pickup sports. So we're playing volleyball. Uh, and it's fun when like, like goal ball came in. So we're like, all right, let's play some goal ball. And like just being around all these other athletes and sports and trying everything. Uh, I think that's so important for kids, uh, just to, to have this giant breadth of knowledge of all these different sports and activities and not getting too set on one thing at a young age. Yeah. A hundred percent question about that. Um, do you have any like friends who were on the circuit at 13 with you, who you really thought would stick around for a long time, but maybe they got too pigeonholed and they didn't stay well-rounded and they didn't make it. Interesting. Uh, I think when it comes to lose, at least like the, the athletes in the U S that I grew up with, right. There's, there's this transition from on the junior world cup where we actually have a lot of athletes and there's this really hard barrier to break at 20 years old, where you either make it to the world cup level or you don't. And when you stay back in the U S you're not really going anywhere, you're not progressing. And so 
The hardest part was making it to that World Cup level and being successful there. And a lot of that actually came down to how you race and perform. Because at the end of the day, training is one thing, but a lot of, of my friends and ex-teammates, it was all about the race day prep. And a lot of times, like I would be training, we'd be at the same level. And then on race day, they would psych themselves out and not do as well. Because I would say luge is more of a mental sport than a physical sport. There's this, like we're training year round to be able to, you know, have this really explosive start and be as smooth as possible on the way down. But in between the years is really important and yeah. so but there's that balance of relaxation and technical prowess like it's exactly javelin for the same uh, yes. i would say <laughs> like every track is like a dance it has like a different rhythm and yeah. if you're not in cue with that rhythm of the track you're you're going to be stiff tense you're going to lose that little bit of time and we're time to the thousandth of a second so i mean in pyeongchang i missed gold after four consecutive runs by 27 thousandths of a second Oh like it's gosh. close, oh right? Like wow. it, it really does come down <laughs> to the wire, like all these little things. So yeah, you have to be in sync, in tune, in a flow state and mentally like, okay, this is, you know, semi-dangerous, but I'm going to go for it and committing to that. That's like the big challenge. Yeah, Not everyone, I think that's where people fall off as they're progressing through the sport. Hmm. Interesting. I definitely want to come back and talk about the mental preparation that goes into both of these, but I do want to make sure we give some love over to you, Dr. Amanda. I think you played college soccer. Do you want to maybe talk to us about your youth sports journey? If you played sports as a kid, what that was like, and then kind of where you are today and what you're working on? Yeah, I did play college soccer in back in my native Canada. And it was a great time as a kid. I'm one of five. And also I could really relate to Chris. You know, everyone's like, whoa, the snow, how'd you put up with it? It's like <laughs> you, you dress for it and then you yeah. play it and it's, and it's damn fun, right? Like, yeah. so I, you know, grew up cross country skiing, uh, downhill skiing, skating on the lake when it would freeze. Um, and then thanks to just volunteers, in the neighborhood was able to have a lot of opportunities with soccer. And uh, the older I got, the more I fell in love with it. And as a little girl, I was like, I want to play soccer there and work toward that. I had a real passion for sport and just loved it. I loved watching sport on TV. And when I was in grade six, I won a speech contest. And so I got to hold the Olympic flame as a sixth grader because I won this little speech contest in my town and I handed the flame <laughs> to the mayor. Oh, man. As so the start of my nerdy journey with sport, uh, <laughs> I, I did a lot of sports in junior high school, but wasn't like in high school. I was, it was a bigger high school. And so I wasn't going to be making a varsity basketball team or something. And then at high school, I really zeroed in on soccer and was grateful, but I've, you know, still active marathons, done Ironman, all kinds of fun stuff, mountain bike with my kids. And now I do a lot awesome. of research in sport. <laughs> awesome. That's amazing. I want to go back to something that Chris said between the ears is immensely important playing sports. And I think when we talk about youth sports in particular, that's not something, at least in my memory from playing youth sports, that's touched on a lot. Um, mm -hmm. The idea of a flow state, I love. Amanda, if I can ask, what sort of importance or, or what sort of things can be done to teach that importance between the years? Yeah, I think always remembering what's age appropriate. You know, flow state, you know, when you're talking about these early these young yeah. specialized sports like gymnastics and figure skating, that's a very different conversation than, you know, the local kid going out and playing on a, on a team. Yeah. 
going back to what Kara said, you know, she's like, I think I have all this knowledge about javelin, but I'm not sure I'm the one who should be the conduit to relay it. I actually really disagree. I think we need more people with Kara's heart and the experiences that she's had teaching the skill. You're right. Not all athletes make good coaches, but great humans with caring hearts who want to learn the art of teaching make great coaches. So that's why I think she's got a whatever future she wants. But for me, it's like, let's avoid the head games as coaches with kids. Let's not make them have to focus so much about the head because it's a joyful experience. I'm working on a book right now called Protect the Joy, a positive collaborative approach to youth sport. Because we don't need to be benching kids, ranking kids. We don't need to be doing this when they're kids. I think we talk more about mental health and sport for kids now because we put adult version of sport unnecessarily on kids um, too early of an age. And yes, there's high performance, but there's so few in that domain. Like it probably doesn't <laughs> seem that way to Chris and Kara because they've been there for, Chris was 13. I think you said, Chris, when you were going yep. overseas. Okay. So wow. that's, that is a very different situation than the 99.9% .9 of 13 year olds. <laughs> so um, we want to make sure that we are doing a lot on the coaching education side, like reflect on your practice. If kids aren't understanding, how are you explaining the drill? If kids look bored, how was the practice plan? Obviously the kids need to bring their best effort and we want to hold them to a very high standard, but we can't do that if we don't hold ourselves as coaches to high standard. Um, so, and, and I just want to be really clear on the importance of coaches bringing and planning the way they expect these kids to. Um, and then from a parent perspective, the few real important things are overall well-being things like sleep hygiene, keeping devices out of rooms, little things like being hydrated, teaching them that nutrition is fuel and how to fuel their body. All of these things, they influence their mental well-being because you can't separate any piece of well-being from each other. It's so interconnected. And really asking them like, was it fun and not treating them like they're little professional athletes, you know, like you see all of this tape and kids are going and it's like, Oh my goodness, you know, they're eight. Like, <laughs> like, like maybe they, if they're knees sore, maybe they shouldn't, you know, participate today. So did you have fun um, when they complain about something? Maybe it's legit. Maybe it's not, but help them to realize that these experiences that they're pushing through, that's, what's going to get them a job interview in 10 years. Like, yeah. yes, you're struggling with this, but you are strong and we can navigate it and, you know, putting them at ease. Like you don't have to do this. You do have to play a sport, but you can try another sport. Like this is supposed yeah. to be fun where, and fun doesn't mean absent of struggle. Fun doesn't mean absent of perseverance. Actually, we want to teach them that persevering is actually very fun. Mm -hmm. Emptying the tank is very fun. Yes. Uh, in sport. So it's like a little bit of old school with some new school. I like that. <laughs> so I, I love the, the positive collaborative, like thing that you bring up. I can't believe I've torn my ACL twice and I feel really lucky. But like my husband became my coach this year and he's like been there for all my injuries. And I feel lucky in my javelin coaches throughout the year too, because even though I was like, growing up rapidly and then grown like in college and after um feels like I've always had a hint of people that say like 
uh, close, but what if you try this rather than that was wrong? Or like, and the, the huge gift of this season is to have this person in my husband, um, as my coach who is just celebrating as hard with me. Um, like my favorite moments are when someone's like, yes, that was it. Like, (laughs) and you, you felt it already, but to have the person right next to you that is like caring about your career, but mostly caring about you as a person, like, it's just really made me feel the joy of sport. Um, and I've absolutely had that in my strength coach as well, but like, it just took me right back to like learning for the first times with someone that was so excited to see that progress. Um, and what a cool, what a cool thing to have full circle. (laughs) Well, that actually brings up a really important point on terms of they're being so happy for you. I think now sometimes we see a new sport, there is such a rush within this, within the team to be first Mm. parents and kids and coach, they're losing the focus that it's actually a team and that, you know, there's no I in team, you know, and this idea that you want to be as happy for a teammate in their shining moment as you would be for yourself. And I think that's what you're feeling. And that's what every kid should feel around people in sport is that everyone is so happy to see good things happen to them. I like that too. And I grew up playing soccer as well. And I remember as a kid, like I love scoring goals. That was my thing. When it leads to the moment, the moment's exciting, but you can also celebrate all the things that, that led you to that moment, to that goal or, you know, whatever it may be in your respective sport. So I, I resonate with that for sure. Chris, I want to give you a chance to, to maybe reflect on all of this. I see you nodding your head and I know yeah. You have a little boy now, so I'm sure you're going to be getting into the parenting and maybe a youth sport participant in the uh-huh. future he'll be. We'll see. <laughs> what are your thoughts? I want him to do whatever he wants to do, um, yeah. but there's a good chance he probably will want to try <laughs> sports because yeah. even right now at 17 months, he loves kicking things and throwing things <laughs> like the physical bruiser, just like crashing through the house. I'm like, all right, I think sports <laughs> is probably what he's going to want to do at first. But no, like hearing this conversation, I, I'm just reflecting back. And this is from an individual uh, sport perspective, not necessarily a team perspective. However, in an individual sport, if you do not have that team mentality, you're not going to make it nearly as far as going alone. Mm. And, you know, as, as we've said, and I personally feel that, you know, the best athletes don't actually make the best coaches. And my point being that, after my first Olympics in Vancouver, 2010, I was 21 years old and our organization was like, okay, let's ha- like talk about the coaches. Like, who's your favorite coach? And I'm like, oh, it's actually my teammate banked like that. We compete against each other, but he's actually my favorite coach. Cause even like, cause he's 12 years older than me and he's actually mentoring me and he's there with me. He wants to see me succeed more than I feel like anyone else that is kind of what taught me that it is a team and an individual sport. And that mentorship piece is so big, like your relationship with athletic trainers, right? I feel like they're the unsung heroes here. I've been touched my uh, bag of equipment from the Olympics in February. till like three weeks ago, I'm like, okay, time to like get this thing out. And I found a little note in there that our athletic trainer, Matt Oaks wrote to me, right. And just hit it in my bag that I like picked up, like on that first day of the competition. And it's like, that those little things help you get through. I would say like growing up, I had a lot of Soviet era coaches and soft (laughs) and Soviet era coaches don't really go together. And so as a team, you're kind of like rallying with each other to kind of make it through some of this training and coaching. And so there's a lot to navigate for kids. And I think there's a huge importance on keeping it fun, 
also, right, teaching them that you will have to struggle and a more difficult and challenging environment is going to create a different person than a less demanding and challenging environment. So putting those people into these, these kids into this environment is really important, but we also have to recognize that there's a lot of trauma that happens. So how do you build a team support system to get through that? I think it's so important to align people with mentors, uh, have coaches that also care, show they care. And I think that's what really creates a successful team. Because when you try to go it alone, it hardly ever works from what I've seen. I want to highlight this idea of the coping skills, almost like this, the gains that you get from being in some of these pressured environments. Dr. Lisa DeMora famously says, you know, stress and anxiety are not the real problem and crises here right now. It's that we view any amount of stress and anxiety as crisis. Mm-hmm. So like the, that's why I like to use the term age appropriateness, <laughs> you know, like what's age, what's age appropriate to help them like build those skills and, and the coping skills to navigate it so that you're not giving a 12 year old, you know, this, like the stress of a 21 year old on the world cup circuit. Cause it, cause it's really different. So I just wanted to highlight that. And also just how valuable it is that true sport is bringing together the symposium in November to really focus on student athlete mental health, because the pressures that they face now are, they are very, very different than 20 years ago, even 10 years ago, um, especially, you know, with the pandemic and everything else, there's just so many things that they are juggling and navigating. And sometimes, unfortunately, the amount of stress and anxiety they're under is not the good amount. The True Sport mission is simple and bold, to change the culture of youth sport by providing powerful educational tools to equip young athletes with the resources to build life skills and core values for success on and off the field. Powered by the experience and values of the U.S. Anti-Doping Agency, the country's most trusted guardian of sport dedicated to preserving the integrity of competition at every level. True Sport partners with organizations across the nation, like Sports Engine, to promote a powerfully positive youth sport experience for all. I love the weekends. I love getting out, doing things. However, this upcoming weekend, I just might be glued to my TV. Specifically tuned into Peacock, where literally all of the best NBC shows, sports, and movies are. So I'm going to give you, dear listeners, some deets on what's going on this weekend. These are the must-watch events you do not want to miss. And it all begins with the horses at the Breeders' Cup Saturday at 3.30 p.m., that's Eastern Time, followed by the Clemson Tigers taking on Notre Dame football in South Bend. And it's all capped off with one of my personal favorites, Roll on the Ground Laughing, and that's Saturday Night Live. The action continues on Sunday with the NASCAR Cup Series Championship, that's at 3 p.m., and then to cap it all off, the Titans battle the Chiefs in Sunday Night Football starting at 7 p.m. A reminder, you can follow all of this, you can watch it on NBC and Peacock. Enjoy! Woo! Simon! I hope our listeners are feeling as giddy and as excited as we felt interviewing these amazing people and just getting the chance to hear firsthand their experience with youth sports, how it's helped them grow into the people that they are, mm-hmm. and gosh, the lessons that they kind of important on us and that we hope can help coaches, parents, and athletes uh, take those away, take them back to their own lives, and, and take them back to their own journeys. Absolutely. I mean, it was super 
amazing just to have that experience. And, and I know that we were both a little starstruck there for sure, but, and you might be thinking, dear listener, how could there possibly be another episode as good as, you know, the content that we just heard? Well, you are in luck. Part two comes out next week where we get into the role social media plays in sports and with young athletes. We hear personal stories of human connection from our Olympians, and we get expert tips and tangible advice you can take back to your family, your team, or organization. This has been another episode of For the Love of Sport. A big thank you to our guests for joining us. And as always, feel free to send us a note at ftlospod at nbcuni.com. We'd love to hear from you, dear listener. So please don't shy away from asking us a question because if we don't know, the odds are that our guests will. Well, yeah, we will really take anything. Uh, but For the Love of Sport is brought to you by Sports Engine, your home for you sports. Hosts are myself, Marie Fitzgerald, and the lovely, energetic Simon McKenzie. Our marketing guru is Kelsey Irwin. Our captain of content marketing is Rob Badeau. And our exceptional sound engineer is Troy Stone. We will be back with a new episode very soon. So stay tuned. We'll see you next week. See you next week. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because the charcoal mess. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.